Okay, uh, let me tell you about Built Bar. Look, let's be honest. I'm fat. I'm out of shape. Got it. Got it. So why would I be talking to you about a protein bar? Because this particular protein bar does not recommend you eat the number of these protein bars that I eat in a day. These are candy bars. And, you know, it's like, uh, you know, the, the donut holes, you know, or the mini donuts. If I eat them one at a time, it's not like, you know, it's uh, they're donut holes. It's not like I'm eating a whole donut. Anyway, Built Bar, they're they're about 180 calories, I think, max. Uh, most of them are about 120, 130 calories. They have four to five grams of sugar, only four to five net carbs. They taste really good. They've got unbelievable flavors. This is why I'm, I'm telling you about them is because they do taste like a candy bar. But if you eat them in the right amounts, they're they're actually really good for you. Built Bar, fat people unite. It's a candy bar. Built.com. Go there now. Order Built Bars. Built.com. Use the promo code BEC15. Save 15% off your first order. Promo code BEC15. 15% off at Built.com. I would classify uh, as a friend Tucker Carlson, uh, a guy who I don't always agree with and he doesn't always agree with me, but I think he's one of the bravest men on television today. He speaks the truth. He does his best to find the truth and then he comes under attack for it in every aspect of his life, but he remains standing. He is on the program in 60 seconds. Program. Let me tell you about uh, uh, my pillow, the now famous my pillow, to the incredibly comfortable mattress topper from my pillow, the soft cotton of the Giza Dream sheets. Mike Lindell has revolutionized the way Americans sleep. You lay your head down on that big pillow, and uh, it's not going to get hot. You're not going to be fluffing it all night. That alone is practically a miracle. But I'm also sandwiched between incredibly comfortable mattress topper and the softest, most comfortable sheets imaginable. I'm as happy as a clam, but clams sleep on sand. I don't. The Giza Dream Sheets. They're on sale now for a limited time. 50% off of the promo code BECK. Made with Giza cotton, the softest cotton in the world. And they just get softer and softer every time you use them and every time you wash them. MyPillow products. They come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials and get the Giza Dream Sheets for as low as $49.99 with the promo code BECK. Giza Dream Sheets now. MyPillow.com. Use the promo code BECK. Get them for $49.99. Mr. Tucker Carlson. He has a new book out. It has uh, been released today through Simon & Schuster. Uh, it is called The Long Slide, 30 Years in American Journalism. Welcome to the program, Tucker. Hey, Glenn. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. Uh, I, I, wanna st- I want to let's start with first just the um, the NSA scandal that's going on. 
how comfortable are you that we're going to find out what's really going on, that the watchdog uh, for the intelligence agencies are, are going to be fair and independent? Well, I don't think it's a scandal. I mean, it's totally you should have the expectation when you live in America, if you criticize the regime, then they read your email. I mean, I, I learned. So I thought that was illegal and un-American and an assault on civil liberties. But I learned from the Daily Beast that actually, if you complain about it, then you hate America. Ah, so okay. just All right. shut, shut up and accept it. You have no privacy the war on terror has been turned against American citizens, but you deserve it because you're a white supremacist. Correct. That, that's what I've been told. Correct. It is. It, it's it's pretty phenomenal what is going on in America, <laughs> especially with the with the uh, uh, with the intelligence agency. I mean, you now have not only Americans being spied on, you're being spied on, but you also have the Capitol Police becoming an intelligence agency. The post office. So it's so distressing. I mean, I I moved to Washington when I was 15. My dad worked for the federal government. He worked with the CIA. I applied to work at the CIA when I graduated college in operations. I thought it was a totally honorable thing. We understood. And, you know, you're we're the same we're the same age about. So you remember we understood the U.S. government and our intel agencies and our military and our federal law enforcement. Honorable. Designed to protect us and honorable. Yeah. Exactly right. If you. You know, the idea that your son would grow up to be an FBI agent, you're thinking, wow, you know, I, I would be really proud of him. Mm-hmm. I wanted to work there. I mean, that tells you how I felt about it. And the difference, look, you can't turn the awesome law enforcement and intel gathering powers of the federal government against American citizens on a wholesale basis. Like, that's the nightmare scenario. We have a lot of laws in place designed to prevent it. And now it's happening. And it's just bewildering to me that like no one says anything about it. Like this is totally cool. This is the way it works. No, it's not cool. It's not the way it works. If you care about democracy, you're opposed to this with yeah. everything that you have. If, if they can do this, what they did to Donald Trump and they can do this to you, what makes the average American think they won't turn it on them easily? Cause well, you'll have no exactly. chance. It, that's exactly right. And I, I'm, I'm concluding things and saying things out loud that I, I just, Three years ago, I never would have imagined I would say or yeah. think. I, you know, I would have thought, oh, that's paranoid. That's crazy. I think I'm the least paranoid, you know, sunniest, most optimistic, naive person I know. I mean, I never assume bad motives on the part of any American. You know, I mm-hmm. don't want to anyway. But, um, yeah, I think if you're paying attention, you're deeply concerned about where we're going. And that's not a partisan point. You know, if you care about basic civil liberties, like the right to disagree, the right to speak your mind, the right to follow your own conscience, the right to raise your family, you know, roughly the way you want to. Nothing crazy. This is not ideological stuff. Let me about, let me wait, 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 wait. Let me come back to that for a second on that. That's not an ideological point. And just to ask you one last question on this. Do you know who unmasked you? I don't know. Um I I was in Washington for a funeral. I, I moved out of Washington after 35 years. I didn't have much choice, so I did. And I was back, and I ran into a very old, very close friend of mine who said, who, who said, let's get together. I've got to talk to you about something. Who said in person, you know, you are planning this trip to Russia. And I said, why? Well, I haven't told anybody that, so I don't know how you'd know. Because, and then this person told me that the NSA had been reading my electronic communications, my texts and emails, and had unmasked me and was going to spread this to news organizations to suggest that I was somehow a disloyal American. Jeez. 
And it just it's it actually scared me. I'm not normally rattled by stuff, but that's so over the top that I immediately called like the only person in politics I would ever talk to is a U.S. senator who's wise. And I said, this this kind of this kind of scares me, honestly. What should I do? And he said, you got to go public with it because you don't have any other defense. Yep. I mean, what is you don't have actual power. You're just the only power you have is to talk, which is true. And you need to do that right away as you know, prophylactically as a self-defense move. Yep. And so I did, and I felt like kind of a lunatic. You don't want to go on TV. I mean, would you want to go on the air and say they're spying on me? No, you sound like a nutcase. Right. But I didn't feel like I had a choice. Um, all right. So let me let me go back to where you just said this is not a partisan issue, because I think it is. And I think your book is is um, kind of evidence uh, of that. You, you you talk about the 30 years in American journalism, the long slide, and you yourself say you couldn't do the things you couldn't report uh, the things uh, today that you were doing back then. You couldn't. Um, uh, the, the, the system is no longer what it was when we thought at least we all agreed with each other and we were all seeking the same same outcome. I don't think there I don't think all of Americans even agree on your right to privacy and your right of freedom of speech anymore. Well, you're absolutely right. And it's kind of, I mean, I'm sure you have this experience every day. Things are changing so quickly. You wake up in a brand new country, but it's hard to get perspective on how profound the change is because there are so few mile markers. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't, it just seems like, oh, I guess it's always been this way. Going back and reading 30 years of journalism, mostly magazine journalism, um, was just kind of a shock. I mean, a lot of the pieces in the book I wrote for the New York Times. Can you imagine? Esquire magazine. I wrote for the Washington Post. I, you know, I wrote for GQ. There's no chance no. I would ever, I wrote for the New Republic. I know. I also had a lot of friends over the, I mean, a lot of friends, not just a few, like a lot, who were Democrats. I went hunting with them. I went on trips with them. I, I hunted with them all my life. Um, and now that's impossible. I mean, they wouldn't have me. I, I'm actually, I've never been very partisan. I'm not super impressed by the Republican Party, that's for sure. I don't like the Democratic Party, but I don't hate people because of their voter ID, you know, because of who they vote for. I just that's not my temperament. And so reading this, you really I really got the sense that, boy, you know, it's a completely different world. We are polarized to the point where you, you wonder how we reach agreement on on anything. And to your point, you know, what do we agree on? You know, what do we have in common? This is a has always been a, a multiracial country with no state religion you know we've always been in some sense a diverse country mm -hmm. and that's great i like that but you have to have something that unites you something that we all agree on like why are we all living on this continent together sharing a common federal government if we don't agree on anything so I, what do we agree on what is the american creed that unites us and increasingly it's hard to answer that question it used to be the bill of rights Yes, it used to be the Bill of Rights. And I, I contend you could get uh, a, a maybe a majority, a slim majority to disagree with maybe eight of the first 10 in the Bill of Rights. You have nothing left if you don't have the Bill of Rights. Well, I mean, that's exactly right. It's at this point, if you can't agree on that. I mean, let's just be totally blunt. Countries don't hang together because they hang together naturally. There's a, you know, there's a centrifugal force is a physics principle. And this is a huge country. 
And it's diverse on every level, not just ethnically, but geographically. People, you know, the country won't hang together unless we work intentionally and ceaselessly to to create a reason for it to hang together. And it can't just be force. It can't just be, you know, we control the Pentagon, obey. That That's not enough. You need consent of the governed. And they ha- the majority needs to agree that we're in this together for a reason because we share this in common. And if you set out to destroy those bonds, if you set out to increase tribalism, which is what they're doing. No, your first loyalty is to your ethnic group. Are you joking? You're a Hutu? You're a Tutsi? Like, how do you think that ends? It's so insane. And so I just think we need a national movement starting like this afternoon to figure out what it is we have in common and to emphasize that because otherwise, I mean, it's just very clear where this is going to go. What um, uh, when you look at other countries, I mean, for a long time, we were, you know, we got to be more like Europe. We got to be I in some ways, I'd love to be like some of the countries in Europe. Some of the (laughs) some of the countries in Europe are are preaching against us. They're like, don't follow America. Whatever's come, whatever poison is coming out of there. Don't do it. Um, And I've heard you talk about Hungary and the way the way that the government is now in Hungary, they are more free than we are. Well, that's I, I, I mean, it's just funny to be in your 50s because you, you dimly remember a life yeah. before this. And you're, what you just said it just makes me laugh because I was in Europe last week and I thought that the whole time we mocked Europe. I mean, constantly mocked Europe. And, and how sad is it? I take no joy in noting What's true, which is when in, if you're in Budapest and you disagree with the with the ruling party, you, you don't need armed bodyguards. You're not going to be silenced. The majority of media in Hungary are opposed to the ruling party. The ruling party may lose in the coming elections. And that's you know, that's how things work in a representative democracy. You know, like you, you have peaceful transfers of power and people are allowed to say what they think and store windows aren't smashed because they disagree with the COVID policy or the black lives matter or the trans policy. It's like, it's all right. How is that not freer? It is freer. It is for, and that just, that just crushes me. I know me too. Um, let me ask you because, uh, I, I finished my, the last book I did, uh, I've been with Simon and Schuster for 20 years and I want nothing to do with John Carp. Uh, the yeah. CEO, uh, they started firing conservatives at Simon and Schuster, uh, started closing things down. And uh, it, it, it made no sense to me. You have this publisher. Simon and Schuster is your publisher for this book. And yeah, that's right. You go after them uh, in the book. I mean, that takes balls. Well, yeah, I mean, they and I told them I was going to. I mean, there's something. Well, they published it. So they know. Yeah, they know well what's in it. And in fact, I. I dedicated it to John Carp effectively. Um, so, you know, they know. But what? look, it's really simple. They're one of the most powerful book publishers in the world. Mm-hmm. They should not be abetting censorship. The whole point of publishing and of journalism is to keep open this free exchange of ideas. You don't agree with at least half of them, but it's important for people to be able to voice them. In fact, it's essential. You can't have a democracy without that. So you can't be for censorship. And they are. And I, I was shocked when they canceled Josh Hawley's book because they didn't like his vote. You may not like his vote. OK, that's that's all right. But Josh Hawley has a right to air his views. They canceled his book. They issued a press release calling him a terrorist. 
And I watched this with my jaw open, knowing that I had a book due to them. So I called John Carp and I said, what is this? And I said, I feel a moral obligation to report this out because I'm getting paid by Simon & Schuster. I'm participating in this. I'm benefiting from your censorship, and I feel bad about that. So I'm going to write about it. And if you don't want to publish the book, you don't have to. And I think they really felt trapped because they knew that they canceled my book. I was going to go after them, which I I certainly would. So it was just one of these weird circumstances where I got to report out censorship in real time and i thought that i should i felt it was my duty to do that well good for you uh i'm no longer with simon and schuster uh my contract expired and i couldn't be happier uh although my next book is (laughs) my next book is coming out self-published uh and i don't know anybody of my size that has ever tried that before so we'll see how it works out when is that i mean i i would love to talk to you about that because that seems like the future i mean why are we putting all, you know, our ideas into the hands of censors. I mean, why yeah. are we participating in the system? It, um, it is the system. I mean, it's the same. I'm in the same place I was in, you know, 10 years ago when I started the Blaze TV, where it, it didn't make any sense. The All the tools aren't really there. Nobody's actually breaking the, the uh, molds on this, but it has to be done because I'm not well, going to I'm not going to sit and be held hostage uh, by a, uh, a corrupt system. It's ridiculous. I, I look back and I realize how stupid I, when you started Blaze TV, I was like, what? Well, you know, you were like the biggest guy in cable news. Why don't you just, you know, just stay in cable news? Why, yeah. you know, why make the effort to do this? And I'm just so grateful that you did. I really, really am. And I'm grateful just as an, I'm not, I'm not saying this, by the way, as flattery. I mean it totally sincerely. The fact that you're self-publishing, that you built your own thing, those turned out to be incredibly prescient and important decisions because the current system is unsustainable. It just, we don't have freedom of the press. We have to build our own. And so thank you for doing that. Yeah. Well, I, as you know, cause I, I write to you from time to time just to thank you for your monologues and your bravery. Uh, thank you for standing up. I've been in your position. I know what it's like. I know what it's like for your wife and your children. And, uh, I I truly pray for you and uh, admire your courage, Tucker. Thank you. Well, I appreciate that, Glenn. Thank you. You bet. Uh, the name of the uh, the name of the book uh, that you can get it's out today: "The Long Slide: Thirty Years in American Journalism" with Tucker Carlson. By the way, Tucker is going to be doing a uh, podcast with me in the next couple of weeks, so we'll have a good hour or so to be able to, to uh, further our conversation. Uh, let me tell you about AMAC. If you haven't joined AMAC yet, uh, there's a few good reasons you should. First and foremost is the advocacy for conservatives. This is the Association of Mature American Citizens, and they are on it. They are on it, and they invite you to be a part of it, and they, they help shape things in Washington, and there is power in numbers. It's why we need to support people that are on the right track. We need to do business with people who are helping us. You know, uh, AMAC is, what, almost two and a half million um, uh, members now. That's a lot. At the peak of the NRA's uh, power, they had, I think, five million Americans. And look how powerful that was. There is power in numbers. It's why Biden is trying to get everybody to unionize. We need to be together. Now, you get all the benefits and the uh, and the information that you need that you get, you know, from any place else. But I think you get it better, really, from AMAC. 
make sure your voice is heard. Stand with the people who are standing with you. You'll also get life insurance products, travel discounts, and much more. It is AMAC. A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Beck. Make sure you join now. AMAC dot U-S slash Beck. 10 seconds station ID. Uh, today, I want to talk to uh, I want to talk to immigrants. Yesterday, I spent an hour taking phone calls from people who had no reason to make it at all. They had no reason to believe they'd ever make it because of their childhood, the things that they went through, the things that they did. And yet they found their way to success, however they define it. Today, I want to talk to immigrants. I want to talk to people who have um, come to the United States and played by the rules and done the things that they would have never been able to do in their own country. I think there is a high rate of success with immigrants that when they when they come here, if they apply themselves, they always say the same things to me. Always. You can't get any American to do this job. You can't get anybody to actually uh, care about the work. And I'm talking about I'm talking about people who are stonemasons, like Tanya's grandfather was a stonemason. He came from Italy, and he was a bricklayer. He was an artist. Well, nobody in the family is that artist, because nobody now wants to work like that. And so the stone layers are coming from other countries, and they can make it and start their own business so their kids don't have to lay stones. I want to hear from people who came here and had no chance of success either here or in their own country, and yet they found it here. If that's you, call me now. The number is 727-BECK. I'm going to be taking uh, phone calls on this in just a minute. Uh, 727-BECK. I want you to share your story of where you came from and why you came here and what the difference is. It's time to put some good stories out about America. And these are truths. I could tell stories, but why not just talk to the people who are living it every day? Call me at 727-BECK. This is the Glenn Beck Program. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So Michael has written in about his experience with American Financing, and he says, I have been, uh, I've been working with Thea at American Financing since we made the decision to refinance. She's been such a help from day one. She answered all my questions, and there have been plenty. She's returned every call. She works seemingly 24-7. Um, I I am resting easy knowing that progress is being made. A friend of mine started his reunifying financing processes a month before us. We close tomorrow. He's decided to go to American financing as well. He's starting all over. Best of all, my wife and I don't have to go to the closing because the closing is coming to us. Thanks, Thea and American financing. You rock. Michael, thanks for writing in. For the last two decades, American Financing has helped so many people just like you get their financial feet 
on solid ground, I want you to call American Financing at 800-906-2440 or go to AmericanFinancing.net. 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. Don't forget, tonight's Wednesday night special is all about the truth on Cuba. What's really going on? And where's America tonight? BlazeTV.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. We're really glad that you are here today. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we have some really disturbing things that are going on. YouTube has taken down a second Rand Paul COVID video, suspends him. Uh, he was on the floor of the Senate, in the well of the Senate, when he said these remarks. Uh, it, is, it is protected speech, constitutionally protected speech, doubly so because he said it on the well of the Senate floor. You, that, that is the ultimate protected speech. YouTube doesn't care. Um, and we are getting into a very, very, very bad place uh, with um, all of this. Also, I, I want to show you the pattern of the radical nominees. Yesterday, um, they passed the infrastructure bill and everybody was saying, but infrastructure, infrastructure. <laughs> what infrastructure is in there? The infrastructure of a different America. It is the infrastructure of a very radically different America. One where uh, we're going to be silenced and we will all agree or we won't be able to move around quite so much. That's all uh, coming up on later on in today's uh, program. Also, tonight is my Wednesday night special. We need things that can unite us. We need things that we can all get behind. That's why I am so um, passionate. One of the reasons why I'm so passionate about saving people who are slaves, whether they're in Thailand or they're in Iraq. They could be in America or Jamaica. We must I don't want to be around people who say, well, slavery isn't always wrong. We all agree that we have to get down to the basics. We all agree that's wrong. All of us. That's we need to find as Tucker was just saying a few minutes ago, find the things we can unite on. One of the things that I don't think we're going to be able to get all of America to unite on, but is so important that we do is Cuba and the people in Cuba. They were having all these protests, and then all of a sudden the internet went out. Hmm. Strange, because Facebook and everybody else made it made sure it didn't happen in the Arab Spring, but the Cuban Spring, eh, not so much. So the communist regime, since the protests on July 11th, have taken hundreds of their citizens. We don't know the number exactly. We know for a fact of, I think it's 805 citizens that were taken uh, through forced disappearances. Uh, they would sweep people up and then try them 10 or 12 at a time. This is, this is not something where you were even allowed an attorney. You were prosecuted without evidence. Some of these people are in jail, prison. Some of them, we don't even know if they're alive. Some of them were beaten. 
Tonight, we're going to tell you what is going on, and we're going to get the real stories from people who have uh, friends and family there. Uh, and you don't want to miss tonight's show, The Crackdown. It is, it is an, a, a very, very important show tonight that you don't want to miss on our Wednesday night special, The Cuban Spring debunking the left's lies about hashtag SOS Cuba. You'll find it on blazetv.com slash Glenn. If you are not a subscriber, please join us. There is strength in numbers. Become a member today. Blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and you'll save on your subscription. All right, let me go to, uh, uh, it was Dennis in Missouri. Let me go to Dennis. Hi, Dennis. Where are you Hi. from originally? I am from South Sudan uh, originally, so I came to America in 1999, uh, mm. 99-1999. Wow. And uh, what were your thoughts and hopes and dreams uh, when you came here? Well, when I came here, I spoke really very small English. It's just like when you ask my name, I barely just can say my name and where I live. Wow. Uh, but my, my dream is to learn English. And because I knew that I am in, uh, I am living now in one of the greatest country in the world. Uh, so I, I I went to school uh, uh, for uh, as a program called ESL English as a Second Language uh, for two years, and then I went to community college, and then I went to university, Benedictine University in Illinois. Uh, and then uh, one of the things that I, I, I learned uh, in school is uh, from one of uh, my professor. He was attorney general. His name is Jim Ryan. And then mm. he, he retired and then he came back to, to, to teach. He, he said this statement from uh, John F. Kennedy that asking what you country, asking not what your country can do, asking what you can do. Uh, and and I, that remember, I remember that vividly that what can I contribute to this country? What can I contribute to myself? And, and and that's what the topic of yesterday when you ask like you know if you if you are born into a, a you know like a tragic situation yeah. a tragic yeah. situation what is your life now so now you know I graduated from university and then I I went I served in Iraq as a civilian translator I speak Jeez. Arabic very fluently uh, so I work with our troops in Iraq I went to many many places in Iraq for two years. And then I came back. I moved to Kansas City. I work for uh, now working with with the city of Kansas City uh, Water Department. Uh, I am a senior administrator. Uh, um, mm. Let me uh, let me ask you this, well. Dennis. Let me yeah. let me let me ask you. In yeah. Sudan, we are told that uh, America is the. I, are you uh, white, black? What color are you? I'm black. You're black. Okay. So uh, we're told that this is the worst place you could come. Uh, if you're a black person, what, why, and what is the difference between America and every other place you've seen? Well, what I have seen in, in, in Africa, even, you know, even I'm black and living, most of the people in Africa, they're black. Even we, we've seen some, some, uh, treatment that is not, it's not the same. Uh, uh, they probably could see that, you know, you're from different tribe. You are not the same tribe as the president is. Mm. So, uh, you'll be treated differently or, uh, in school too. Uh, you know, you treat it differently because you are in a, in not the tribe, the majority tribe. 
So uh, I, I think when I came to America, you know, people talked about racism. I, I don't see it's there, but it, it's not really, a, you know, I, I haven't seen that, you know, really in, in my life living here. So as I said, again, you know, this is one of the greatest countries, regardless of what is happening, you could make your way. Uh, you know, when I was in Africa, I don't have shoes. I don't have enough food to eat one meal. Uh, now I have five, I, I have like 12 shoes, you know, and, and you could make your life if you live wow. right. Dennis, I I love your story. Thank you very much. God bless. Let me go to Tom in Colorado, who uh, came from Poland. When were you in Poland, Tom? Well, I was born in Poland um, in the 60s. I'm slightly older than you are. It's a longer story, but nothing as compelling as what you had on yesterday. People that have gone to hell in their lives, as they were describing it yesterday. I basically uh, came uh, through three different countries, emigrated when I was 22 with then my girlfriend to Germany. Was not allowed to work there. Um, There was a possibility of migrating to Canada, and that's what we did after two years. Um, And and you left left communism then. You would come here then in the 80s. I left in 86, yes. 86. So you know what communism was like in Poland. Well, and that's where I now have a lot of retirees that my friends, and I see that they're not um, basically have the same um, curiosity that I had when I was growing up in Poland. We used to live, uh, we used to listen to Radio Free Europe, mm-hmm. which was sponsored by American government. And at that time, we were always seeking alternative news because what we were being fed on a daily basis was laughable. Everybody knew that, but somehow everybody kind of went along to live along. Uh, and so, Boy, right does that now, sound familiar? Cuba. <laughs> yes, right now, as you've mentioned, Cuba. Uh, that's the main thing that I'm asking people is like, look what happened first. They first shut down the internet. For what reason? So you would not have access to alternative news. We all have access to alternative news, but nobody is seeking it. Everybody is used to what you've described, Cronkite and everybody else saying this is the news. And everybody trusts what we're hearing on a daily basis. And some singular voices like yours or Russia's or, or other uh, talk show, uh, talk show uh, talk show hosts, uh, you have to seek those news. You have to be able to listen to you. You have to want to listen to the podcast. Everything else is basically becoming uh, what I've seen in communism and other places like Venezuela. I've been here long enough to see what happened to Venezuela. We're following the same pattern, but somehow being born here, and I have my daughter who actually was born here, so I'm exposed to what school is teaching right now. I'm an older father having a very young daughter. And it's hair-raising what they're teaching or trying to teach our kids and reversing everything that this country has established over the years. So I am really worried of uh, the path on which we're on and sort of surprised that majority of Americans kind of take this for granted and think that this is somehow going to get reversed. And that last election actually showed us that people were thinking that voting for somebody who's familiar doesn't matter which party, but somebody mm-hmm. who has been in government for years somehow is going to bring us to normalcy. Yet we don't see that we are now attacked. We are being attacked by our own government, by all these what you call three-letter agencies, 
and there is no more constitutional uh, follow-up of the structure of power. Uh, when those three-letter agencies are able to write their own laws, if CDC is allowing to write, their, uh, write the laws in a sense to uh, force us to do certain things, uh, what happens when Department of Defense write their own laws? What happens when Department of Homeland Security yep. starts to let, write their own laws? Yep. And we're on a very slippery path, and I'm surprised by the speed. Actually, I was very surprised when they mandated masks and all these other restrictions on us as, as uh, individual citizens, and nobody actually lifted more than a finger, with the exception of several, several people well, in small places. I will tell you, Tom, uh, that uh, I think that regards to the speed, it's been happening for a very long time, but nobody really paid attention to it. And I think it's going to come down just like the Berlin Wall did. Um, We're going to lose our freedom uh, as the people in Germany did. One night, it's just going to happen. And, and you'll be able to look back and go, oh, yeah, it was happening. It was just building to this moment. Uh, but now it's too late. Now it's too late. I understand. But as our founding fathers said, we will have to spill blood to regain our freedoms. And that's what I fear. Yeah. And people do not understand that that's the only other step possibly. Uh, Tom, in Colorado, I'm sorry we didn't get to your business, but I know that you're successful and you started your own business. And thank you for being a, a great American coming uh, from Poland. Back in just a moment. Let me tell you about uh, Built Bar talk to you seriously about something uh to anyone within the sound of my voice i need help i'm being hostage no not my terrorist i mean that would be really pretty easy i mean it's my daughter <laughs> she's 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 really feeding me vegan food i don't know where else to turn the only constellation has been build bars which are like healthy protein bars they're made with real chocolate <laughs> so they taste great and everything I mean, in case she's listening, I love the vegan food, honey. I'd really no. I ser- seriously help me. Uh, Built bars, in addition to be made with real chocolate, they're low calorie, low carb, high protein, and high fiber. They have nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited time flavor. Get the mix box, and you can try two of each for the nine flavors. They have a new URL, super easy to remember. It's built.com. Built. Dot com. Use the promo code BECK15 to get 15% off now at Built.com. You are listening to the Glenn Beck Program. This week, I am uh, talking to people that have made it in America, where the odds were against them. Uh, and they have found themselves successful in America. Things that just don't happen elsewhere. Uh, today, I'm talking to immigrants. If you're an immigrant that came to this country because you couldn't succeed elsewhere, uh, and you came here and you did what? And what did you find about America? Tomorrow, I want to talk to people who uh, have been at the very rock bottom, alcoholism, suicide, whatever, and have turned it around. If that's you, that'll be on tomorrow's program. Let me go to Aurora in Arizona. Uh, you, your husband is an immigrant from Panama? That's correct. Yeah. T- tell me about him. Okay. He's actually right here. I'd love to have oh. him tell you. His name is Carlos. Okay. Yeah, sure. 
Blaine, very nice to meet you, sir. Nice to meet you, Carlos. So you were in Panama. Did you live uh, under the dictators? I lived my entire life under a dictatorship. I came here to the U.S. when I was about 25 years old. But I lived through the invasion of Panama. I uh, lived through the years when Noriega was ruling Panama. And I've seen a lot of uh, some of the similarities that we live in our country that today we're having here in this country. is just incredible, incredible. But I was, uh, I was in Panama uh, when the invasion happened in 1989 and Noriega was removed. And in 1991, I had the chance to come here to the U.S. as a student. I went to Texas to study English. I went to Houston, Texas to study English. I mean, first of all, who goes to Houston, Texas to study English when everybody speaks Spanish? <laughs> <down there>, right? <laughs> right. How's your Spanish, Glenn? How's your yeah, Spanish? Not good. Not good. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I moved to Utah because I... Uh, I met my, my wife's brother in Panama. He was an airplane mechanic, and he mm-hmm. told me about my wife, and I moved to Utah, and then uh, we got married. And then I decided to join the military because I wanted to return the same thing that the United States did for me when mm-hmm. I was in Panama. I wanted to be part of something big. So I joined the military in, uh, in 1994, and I served for almost 22 years. God bless you. So I, I went to Iraq, Afghanistan. And I served uh, a lot of uh, many years in uh, Colombia, you know, uh, I, I, counter drug operations. I have to, I have to cut you loose. We're up against a network break, but thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your success story and your travel from dictatorship to freedom. Hopefully, it's not a return ticket now. This is the Glenn Beck program.